All right, welcome to the New York Football Giants Dad podcast. My name is uh, Chris Webb. This is David uh, Solo. And we are here to bring you all the latest news with the New York Football Giants, as well as uh, talk through fatherhood um, as the Giants and as parenthood has kind of brought us together. Um, and being that um, the Giants are kind of near and dear to our hearts. Um, wanted to let you guys know within the next um, couple within the series you're going to learn a lot about fatherhood Giants football and kind of our reactions um, through those things that guide us through life um, so kind of going into why we're Giants fans and introducing to ourselves in introducing ourselves um, David why are you a Giants fan yeah man um I've, I've been a Giants fan my whole life uh, and, and and I know this is called the uh, New York football giants dad podcast and uh my answer is my dad uh you know he was a huge giants fan um i just remember uh growing up on long Island, going to my dad and then going to my grandpa's house in queens and my dad and my grandpa just yelling at the tv and watching the giants um in the 90s with you know rodney hampton and dave brown and some of those awful giants teams and I would, you know, I would watch the games with them and I, I didn't know what was going on. I just saw a bunch of um, bodies running into each other. But um, just to kind of be with my dad and my grandpa, uh, you know, to be involved and be part of their lives, I would watch all the games. And, um, you know, I got more and more into it. In the year 2000, I was in like a flag football league. We, we played our championship game at the Meadowlands on the AstroTurf. Um, I used to go to Giants training camp as a kid. Um, I used to go up to Albany every summer almost, um, you know, meeting the players, talking to guys like Kerry Collins, Ike Killier, David Deal, and then Eli's rookie year. I was up there with Kurt Warner. Um, I got Eli's autograph. That, that was like something I'll never forget. And, um, you know, the players were so, you know, nice to the fans, just talking back and forth um you know making jokes with the fans uh I remember talking to Ron Dane Tiki Barber those kind of guys so I mean the short answer is I'm a Giants fan because of my dad and because he loved the Giants so much growing up my dad was actually a New York baseball Giants fan and a New York football Giants fan um you know as a kid so he's the reason I'm a Giants fan and and uh wh what about you what why did you decide to root for Big Blue yeah, I mean, Dave, that's a great point. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons that connected us together. Um, for the same reasons, I'm a Giants fan because of my father. Um, my dad is also from Roosevelt, I mean, from Long Island, Roosevelt, to be specific. Uh, my mother is from White Plains, New York. Um, and when my parents had me, I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, all I kind of knew was Big Blue, where... Um, we'd go to the games, we would um, just c constantly cheer on Big Blue. And football is something that's important to uh, my family, my dad, most, more specifically, but then became important to me, kind of monkey see, monkey do. My dad played football at Brown University. Um, I followed his footsteps, ended up playing at Howard University, um, played offensive line, and to just to understand the magnitude of what the game has given back to me. That's what brings me so close to Giants football and just football in general. Um, I've had the luxury of being able to coach 
um, throughout my tenure um, at the high school level, um, Gonzaga College High School, um, and just the love and passion for the game is something that will always resonate with me. And I got that from my father. Um, so yeah, you know, it's funny, like every time we talk, I feel like we, we have a lot of um, similarities. We were born like a month apart. Um, we both have kids that are the same age. We both have one on the way um, due the same month. And uh, we both had two brothers growing up um, to play football with. And uh, I didn't realize you also had two brothers. So I have two brothers as well. Um, you know, I, I didn't play football at the college level like you. Um, that's really cool. You're able to play at Howard University. Your dad played at Brown. I think that gives you a better perspective on the team than your typical um, Giants podcaster, you know, or, uh, you know, somebody that make, creates Giants content. Uh, but I, I did play football uh, as well growing up in high school. And I mean, football is life. Like I, I just, I'm crazy about the Giants. I'm crazy and, about and football. And just from the perspective as the game yeah. evolved, obviously from Pee Wee all the way to the NFL, it's really the speed of the game, a lot more complexity in that point, but understanding how to prepare, how to train, how to watch film um, at the college level compared to the high school level. It's a whole different ball game. Um, and from a life standpoint, having to organize, organize yourself to be able to go through that, you'll find um, when I was at college, there was a lot of guys from freshman year that just didn't make it because there was just such hard demands of it's, it's literally a second job. I mean, it's, yeah. it's your, I'm sorry, it's your full-time job. And even though being a student should be your full-time job, it's be a football player first and then be a student because the schools are investing in you or giving you a scholarship in order to perform on the football field. But yeah. um, having to go to a film study, study hall, um, classes, it's just um, that experience of being able to play at the next level. Um, and then just how you, how you practice is completely different compared to Pee Wee High School um, having inside drill, team, different segments. Um, you're a lot more intimately closer with your position coach at the college level. Um, it's just, it's very different. Um, and until um, you under, you understand that or experience it, it's hard for um, like a regular fan or somebody else to kind of relate. But um, that's all good and well. Uh, moving on to kind of the theme for this podcast, um, leading by example, um, we talk about great, dads within the Giants organization. Um, how was your dad able to lead by example within your household? And what type of traditions did you carry down that you want to um, continue with your with your kids? Yeah, I mean, um, and, and before I answer your question, I think what makes this podcast unique versus, um, you know, the countless number of other Giants podcasts that are out there, and there's some great Giants podcasts, I listen to a lot of them, um, and I'm sure you do too. But I think what what's going to make um, this podcast a little bit different is the fact that we're going to talk about like our child, uh, you know, not only our childhood, but our mostly our fatherhood and, you know, the, the challenges we have as fathers, also the rewards of fatherhood. And, um, you know, I think a lot of Giants podcasts might just strictly focus on the football team and the ins and outs of the uh the roster and and the games that are going on but we'll uh we'll try to you know 
include some of the things from our, our own lives um, as fathers. Cause I think a lot of the Giants fans that would possibly be interested in listening to this podcast are also fathers and they might have the same struggles. And I think it would be fun to have on some other Giants fan fathers. Um, some of the guys that we talked to on Twitter that were, you know, helping us come up with some of the, the cool names that we were uh, deciding upon um, for this podcast. You know, I, th- I think it would be great to have those guys come in and, and uh, you know, come on this podcast. Uh, to, to answer your question, I think one thing that I noticed about my father is like he was very hardworking and he and the way he led by example is like he would get up at 3.30 in the morning, literally um, 3.30 in the morning and drive a truck into the city and uh, he would distribute like, you know, orange juice and he had a, a route in Manhattan. And, um, you know, sometimes I would go to work with him, like in the summers, or if I didn't have school, um, I would be a helper on the truck. But just like, you know, the, the work ethic of just getting up super early, even though it's not easy and, and going in so you can beat that crazy traffic on the Long Island Expressway, it's the only way to do it is to get up at 3.30. And, um, you know, just seeing that day after day, it's kind of like, all right, that's something you just have to do as a father or as a man, you have to get up early and go to work. So, um, you know, things like that, I feel like are going to be more impactful on a kid than your father sitting you down at the dinner table and just telling you, this is the way you got to live your life. You got to do this, this, and this. If they're not, you know, practicing what they preach, it's it's not going to do any good. And, and kids don't really listen. Um, they kind of like have to learn the hard way, but I think kids are like sponges in the fact that they'll, uh, they'll pick up on things that they see you do instead of what they hear. So how about you? Like, are there some things that your father did? And I, I, I apologize for my dog. He's my, uh, my first son. Chocolate lab. He, uh, he wants some attention. So, um, how, how about you? I, um, for me, I've been the oldest of three boys and, uh, growing up, Originally, I mean, born in New York and then moving once my youngest brother was born to uh, Plano, Texas. Um, my dad worked a long time in the computer IT field um, as a VP of sales. Um, so all I knew was kind of that Monday through Friday time period, dad was working. My dad would fly all the way to California um, and back to New York or be in Texas and have to fly to California for meetings and whatnot, um, just kind of flying all over the place. Um, but that's what was important to do to in order to provide for our family. Um, so when it came to school and performing football, sports, my dad was very strict and the expectations were very high where it's, you're supposed to be a scholar athlete. Like that term is very Uh, near and dear to my heart because it's about being able to do it all Um, and when I say do it all be be able to be a student as well as play football um, or be an athlete um, whatever whatever sports you do and being able to have the grades opens up those doors for sports which is brings me to the fact why I chose Howard University um, in my choice for school but um, that that expectation of my father showing that you have to 
expect the best of yourself and kind of practice what you preach. Um, and even though he wasn't always home all the time because he was working, it was all for the greater vision to be able to provide for the family. And I'll forever be, be grateful for that. Now being in a similar type of setting in corporate America, knowing that that's kind of the obligation I have to my family. Um, those are things that I'm gonna carry with me in order to help my my kids and my kids grow. Yeah, and um, I think that's like a, a popular misconception. Um, the fact that to be a good father, you kind of have to be home all the time and you have to be around your kids 24 seven. Um, because I think, this is just my opinion. I think that, you know, like the fact that your father was at work a lot, you, you weren't maybe able to see him as much as you wanted, but it kind of instilled in you the fact that you have to work hard as well. And like now you, you're, you're successful, you're, you're um, you know, you're working in the corporate, uh, in a corporate environment and you're also working all the time. So I think like if you have a father and they say, no, and, I'm not going to work that when, much. And when time with dad comes, you make it count. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing you learn. Yeah. It's not like quality. It's not quantity. It's quality. So like having that quality time and um, making sure you can go to your kids games when they get older and things like that, that are, you know, really meaningful to a kid. Cause if you're a father that doesn't work and you're just like lounging around the house all the time, your kid's going to grow up and they're going to lounge around the house all the time. Cause that's mm -hmm. what they see and that's what they're used to. Well, and that's you see what they, you do. Yeah. So mm -hmm. That's the, you know, that's the theme of this first podcast is leading by example. Um, and that's a good segue to kind of the giant that we were going to talk about for a little bit. And that's Eli Manning. Um, because like, like he's my favorite player. I don't know. Who's your he's favorite the, Giants player? Is he your favorite? Um, top three for me. I mean, LT is my number one all-time favorite Giant. Um, yeah. Just because growing up, that's all my dad would talk about. Lawrence yeah. Taylor, Lawrence Taylor. you got to play like Lawrence Taylor. You got to have that same tenacity, either hit or, or, be, or get hit in the game of football. Um, but yeah, Eli is definitely up there as a close second. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because he, Lawrence Taylor is a better player than Eli Manning. I know they play different positions. Like Lawrence mm -hmm. Taylor is considered the best defensive player of all time. I don't think it's really debatable. Um, Eli is like, I would say a borderline Hall of Famer. Like he uh, hasn't had the chance to be inducted yet. Um, most people think he'll get in, but you never know. Um, and I think like the reason Eli is so much more popular is because he's like a better role model off the field. And Lawrence Taylor's had like a very um, rocky off the field life that, uh, you know, you don't want your kids to really emulate. Um, you know, he's had his issues like legally and, and we don't have to get into all the bad things he's done, but you know, he's on the field, like he's so dominant. So, um, you know, it's funny. It just made me think, cause I think about that sometimes like Lawrence Taylor is the best giant of all time, but he's not really the most popular of all time, even though he was so much fun to watch. He was so dominant. He was like, he revolutionized the way teams play defense, but like, That's why left tackles get paid today. <laughs> yeah, he's the reason. Yeah, I mean, um, just imagine how good he would be in, like, today's NFL, too, you know. And he, it, and, and there's uh, – my dad used to tell me all the time, too, Lawrence Taylor didn't really take care of himself. Like, he didn't work out, like, in the weight room like he should have. 
he didn't obviously he would party all night um even before games and things like that like if he took care of himself like just imagine how much better he could have been and um i think it would be even better in today's nfl like that's just the way i think if you watch him on tape he was just so explosive um so much stronger than the opposition um if you ran the ball away from him he would catch up and, and drag the the running back from behind and you couldn't run towards him either so yeah um yeah he was dominant um yeah so you know i i wrote a i wrote an article uh a few years ago about eli manning and how he leads by example um it's on gmn hq um i think you know one thing i admire about eli is that he never really like got upset at a teammate or blamed others for the giants problems he never like snapped back at the media because the media was like really hard on eli if you don't remember um they would would write all kinds of awful things about him even like tiki barber would kind of like before he won the first super bowl in 0708 they wanted him out (laughs) yeah and, and like even the year he won the super bowl like late in the season, he had a bad game against the Vikings with the four interceptions. And they said like, Eli doesn't have it like that it factor. And, um, you know, he had some bad games, but obviously he did have the it factor. He won the Super Bowl that season. Um, so yeah, that's the thing I admire about him the most is he like, he probably wanted to say all these negative things, maybe about his teammate or the media. And he wanted to like snap back at them. But he didn't. And I think the reason he did it is because he was like coached by his father. His father had already been through the NFL. I think Archie was kind of like, this is what you say to the media. This is how you handle your teammates. Like he was so well prepared for a life in the NFL because of his father. Um, and, uh, And obviously Peyton Manning being like older than him and going through the same things that he was going through at the same time as a quarterback in the nfl i think that helped a lot so Mm um yeah like does your father like do you still kind of um you know ask for his advice even like as a a, you know a man that's older do you still kind of lean on him for stuff all, all the time i find myself going to my dad like hey do you remember when we were in daycare and kind of how did you and mom navigate through that or um, I talk to my dad a lot, um, just about like with me growing up, like whether it be sports or schools, like how did you motivate? Um, and I kind of remember in the back of my head, and there's certain things that I love that my father did, and there's other things that I disagree with that I'm like, I don't want to do that with my child. Um, so just kind of give and take, um, but continuing to keep the conversation over. I think that's the beauty of fatherhood that is forever revolving once you open up that door with your father um, and kind of talk about the relationship as grandfather to your child and um, kind of what they were going through raising you um, I think that's such a beautiful thing yeah and um, you know it made me think of a, a time when because I'm a teacher mm-hmm. and um that's like the honestly the most rewarding aspect of me being a teacher is like uh i i was able to like fulfill like a fatherhood role to some of my students um i remember my first 
my first like real teaching job I actually taught in elementary school and like the day before at like orientation one of the moms came up to me and said like oh my my husband was like killed like a week ago and this was like kind of in a bad neighborhood and mm-hmm. like and they, he said like uh my boy's having a really tough time with it and like you know I was like I, I didn't know what to say I was I was like in my early 20s and um you know the kid he was the nicest kid like ever but the the entire year he was like my shadow and he would follow me everywhere and he would like Mm. always always seek my approval and he was um he was a really good kid but he he was so attached to me and like you know I was like extra nice to him and if if a kid like I was like kind of protective of him if like kids would try to tease him at all I was very like no nonsense about you know I would cut that out like immediately and um you know that's that's something that uh as a teacher, you know, you, you get to, and as a coach, like I know you said, you said you were, you were a coach for, for high school. I coached correct? actually, yeah, after I finished playing football, um, coach at the high school level, I was um, kind of trying to figure out my degrees in communications, but um, trying to figure out what I want to do long-term career-wise. And I started helping out at a school, like as a teacher's assistant, I was thinking about going into like education administration or kind of doing the athletic uh, director thing um, and just started coaching um, at Gonzaga in DC because I was close to um, where I lived at the time at Howard. Um, yeah. Coached offensive line, um, then went to Georgetown Prep, coached there offensive line um, and just the relationship between being able to coach, mentor, and lead, um, there's no better experience than it. Um, but now um, with, with being a father and kids, I help out a little bit at Gonzaga with wrestling, um, but to be able to coach football, you gotta be there every day. And it just wasn't ideal um, to be sustainable. Yeah, uh, being a football coach is like, uh, that that's one of the dreams of of mine. I haven't had the chance to do that yet. I've co- I've coached basketball and volleyball, but um, yeah, you, you're kind of fulfilling like a fatherhood type role to a, a lot of kids. And the you're like a father. Not that you're a father figure as a football coach, but you sort of are at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, you know, going back to the theme of it, you you do have to lead by example. You have to um show up on time you have to like act professionally um I had a lot of football coaches growing up that would like curse curse all the time and like you know disparage kids and if you made a mistake they would like try to embarrass you in front of the the team and Mm -hmm. um I guess that could be effective for some and maybe like some people or some players that like need that kind of motivation but not I didn't think that was very effective in my opinion um like what what kind of coach were you as far as that goes like you you said you coached the offensive line were you more like would you get on them if they made a mistake would you try to use like um I don't know if you watch about me and it's funny that I ended up uh in sales is I'm very good at reading and understanding people so being able to understand the type of kid you have to motivate and using that style to motivate them I was very good at being a chameleon in that aspect um now, when it came to the entire group, 
I'm very hard, but I, I expect a lot of out of my kids, but to be able to foster that relationship of trust to get them to give the most effort and get the most out of them, that's where it all starts, is showing that you can be that reliable guy, you can be that person that shows up, you care, you understand the game, you've been there, you've done that. Um, and then when you ask him to do because you've already done, they then trust you and are willing to run through a brick wall. But it all starts with the relationship of being that credible source, being that person that they can look to, turn to, can open up with. And that's not something that just happens immediately. It does take time. Yeah, I agree. Um, kind of going towards a, uh, like a fatherhood. I have like a fatherhood question and then we'll close it out with a, uh, a Giants football question. So, um, it's good, man. What What would you say right now? Because you're you you have a son. I have a son. We both want our kids to be Giants fans. And I I don't live in Giants country. I live in the South. And where I live, college football is like I'm in SEC country. So like Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia. Clemson Tigers, like mm-hmm. they're much bigger than any NFL team. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, there is still a lot of like Atlanta Falcons stuff, Carolina Panthers. There's all kinds of like other teams, memorabilia, um, mm-hmm. wherever you go. Bucks. So I'm, I'm doing it early. I'm getting my, my son brainwashed to, to root for the Giants early. And he, he watches the games with me. We eat popcorn. We, I get really excited. I, I make a big deal about the Giants games when they come up. Um, so what do you do to make sure, and you also don't live in Giants country, you're not in New York currently. Um, I'm, in, so, I'm, in, I'm in Redskins country to be to be uh, transparent. So it's, uh, yeah. it's very interesting. Um, yeah, how, but, do you, how do you make sure your kid doesn't become a Redskins fan? Because that would be yeah. terrible. And they're yeah. not the Redskins. I know they're the Commanders, but yeah. Yeah, Commanders, Redskins, HTTC. Um, for me, man, it's, it's, it's very interesting because moving around, uh, being born in New York, living there until my youngest brother was born, um, and then moving to Pl- uh, Plano, Texas, which is right near Dallas. That's Cowboys Nation. Um, and just to put my, not to put my age out there, but that's in the 90s when they were actually good. Um, yeah. Having that experience as a child and then coming back to Maryland to for high school, it, it's just putting on the Giants jersey, talking about LT, talking about Eli, talking about the Super Bowls. I mean, a lot of people don't realize how cool it is to say that our franchise has won a Super Bowl every decade since the 80s. Like that's yeah. something to really be proud of when we talk about Giants pride. Um, I have a, a fat head in, in the garage of a Giants helmet. So every time we um, come back from daycare, I say, hey, that's daddy and CJ's team. Um, so that's not to say I'm brainwashing him, but just saying, hey, this is important to daddy. This should be important to CJ. Um, and this is the team that me, you, grandpa, we all root for because that's where we're from. That's our, where our family roots are. And we've had a connection to this team. No matter where you live, I want you to be a Giants fan. Yeah, because it would be kind of upsetting to me. I'm not going to lie if my son um, and some kids do the thing where they root for the opposite team of the father, kind of like as a rebellious um, thing to do against their dad. But 
Uh, I would be upset if my son did that and started rooting for the Falcons because most of the kids are probably Falcons fans in this area of the of the country. But I mean, I, I, I'm not I'd too be upset. Worried. But as long as it's any team outside of the NFC East, I could be yeah. not as upset. That's I'd a be good very point. Upset yeah. If you root for any team in the NFC East, yeah, if you rooted for the Cowboys or the the Eagles, I might have to like drop them off at uh at Jerry World and just let them fend for himself. But uh, no, nah, you know, it's um, it, it's fun to kind of see them get excited for the Giants games as he's gotten older. Um, you know, he has all kinds of Giants clothes and Giants shirts. So he uh, he, he already loves the team, which I'm happy about. Um, all right. So, all right. I wanted to ask you a, a Giants question to kind of close out our first podcast. Um, who would you say is the most underrated New York Giant and overrated um because you know I feel like sometimes players like especially on Twitter they get like maybe a little bit overhyped or a little bit on the current current team yeah on the current team yeah Mm -hmm. I mean underrated I really think you got to say Daniel Jones I think he doesn't get the credit and props that he deserves if you look at the team where they currently are right now um He's never really had the true supporting cast for order for the supporting cast or items and um, let's call them uh, pillars um, in order for him to be successful. Whether that's and and when I say pillars, coaching, offensive line, uh, wide receivers, um, and and uh, skill positions, as well as defense, in order to be successful as a quarterback. Um, it's like every year he's had like one of those things, and then it leaves. Um, his first year he had Shermer, but his offensive line was terrible. His weapons were average, if he, if you even consider them average. Um, he had Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. We all know who was on the team, but it's just, I think for him, now that he's finally having Brian Dable to pair with him in his second year and the team as a whole is improving, I really think this is when he's going to be able to showcase what he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think he is kind of underrated by Giants fans. Um, some Giants fans just absolutely hate him for for different reasons. But I think just because that when he was picked and where he was picked, yeah, um, it's just yeah, an unfortunate situation. And the reason I'm confident in him is the fact that Brian Dable's confident in him, and I I I have so much confidence in our coaching staff. I think like if you remember, they did not pick up. Daniel Jones fifth year option last off season. So it's not like they were just initially sold on him and they had some kind of blind faith in Daniel Jones. Um, they didn't draft Daniel Jones like Gettleman. So they weren't going to just throw money at him no matter what. Um, I think Dayball saw the way he progressed throughout the season. They, he, he played to his strengths. They saw how athletic he is. They saw the way he can like, you know, he, he could take over games with his legs. Like I know people, um kind of shoo shoo his rushing ability but that's like a big asset like Lamar Jackson is who he is because of his rushing and he's not as athletic as Lamar Jackson but he can still get you first downs he could scramble for first downs he can do those designed runs and pick up large chunk plays if you remember the the play he fell down against the Eagles he I think he ran like 22 and a half miles an hour on that run and he almost ran too fast for his own good um and he ended up tripping but um, yeah, he's very athletic. I think um, 
in the second year in the same system with Darren Waller, who's by far the best pass catcher he's ever had, I think he's going to have a better year. Um, all right, so who would you say is the most overrated giant on the roster this season? For me? Mark yeah. Lewinsky. Oh, that's a good one. I actually just had like a – not like a debate, but I was talking with uh, NY Giants Rush, who uh, they also do an excellent job making podcasts and things like that. But, um, yeah, I was saying like I, I would prefer – Mark Lewinsky not start this year. And I know if you people, look at PFF. People think he's good, but he's he was terrible last year if you really watch the game. Yeah. He gave and, up five sacks, which is a lot for a guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And some people would say it's the center play and the, the tackle play next to him with Evan Neal not playing the best. And um, John Feliciano was, was god-awful. But I just – I think it was a reach in the signing, and he is just not – the same guy that he was he's, a, he's yeah. a better run um blocker but as far as pass protection he he just looks lost out there a lot in a lot of those sets yeah he's i mean he's like serviceable is the the word i would use to describe him i think mm-hmm. he's like i think that's the reason they signed him they didn't sign him because he was some kind of like pro bowler or mm-hmm. stud over at right tackle but he um you know he, he was definitely a weakness uh, when it came to pass blocking last year. I think he did better in the beginning of the year because the beginning of the year, they just fed the ball to Saquon all game and he was able to use his run blocking. But um, yeah, I, I would actually hope that the Giants end up with a Zudu over at right guard. And I think Bredesen's solid enough at left guard. And maybe they like address that next off season. You if they're not good enough. Keith and in overtime. That's, I think, the vision of Joe Shane and Dable, Bobby Johnson, um, for them to be able to work in those two guys. I mean, Josh yeah. is a top 100 pick. Marcus McKeithen is a fourth, fourth, fourth rounder, I believe. So to be able to kind of get that youth within the organization is going to be humongous for this offensive line long term. Yeah, and, and that's like the biggest question mark on the offense, in my opinion. Uh, is definitely the uh, the offensive line because I think if Evan Neal can hold up and he's at least serviceable over at right tackle, then this this offense will go to another level. Um, in Daniel Jones' second year in the system, so yeah, man. Um, is there anything you wanted to uh, to say before we we wrap things up? Because I I do gotta pick up my son soon. And, um, the the daily duties of, of fatherhood they never stop. Uh give him yeah. back huh? yeah that's like the biggest thing like i'm sure we'll talk about this on like a future episode but like before you become a father you basically you can just do whatever you want all day like if you're not working like the rest of your time is dedicated to you but as a father it's like i can't just like continue this podcast for 30 more minutes because i got to go watch my son do like a performance at camp like you know what i mean so your life um, is truly on a schedule and for me, yeah. I wasn't always the most organized person, but from a career standpoint, I have to be organized. And now as a father, I have to be organized and very good when it comes to yeah, managing my time, um, communicating with my wife and whatnot. Um, as you know, being a father, if you're not communicating properly, a lot of things can kind of fall to the wayside. Um, so that's just so important to be able to lead that way. and. Um, keep everyone kind of organized. But- yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, 
you know, it's funny, like when I was, the, I'm thinking back to my first year teaching and one of the teachers, uh, we were, I think we were the only two male teachers in that elementary school. And he, he came up to me and he was like, do you have any kids? I was like, no. He said, okay, enjoy it. Because once you have kids, your life is over. And I was like, and I, I kind of thought he was exaggerating. Like, yeah, kind of like, you know, but it's, it's sort of true, not in a bad way. But the life as you know it is definitely over once you have kids. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But I, I, I definitely can attest to that. And just your thought process, how you think, it's it's a different type of yeah lifestyle. But definitely, um, it goes in phases, and it's okay that you can't be out hanging out with the fellas anymore. It's just in a different light that you hang out. You're hanging out with your buddies with kids that you're at a, a kid's playground or a brewery and you're spending time with other families and that's okay um, yeah if you're yeah, the if days you continue are... to do the same thing for your entire life um you're not evolving and we all need to grow and evolve yeah yeah and there, there there's some uh there's some cool advantages to um you know fatherhood that you can't experience unless you do become a father and and one of those things is watching your kids play sports. Um, and that's something I'm really looking forward to as my kid gets older and I get them involved in baseball and soccer and eventually mm -hmm. football too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, man, this, this was fun. I think uh, I definitely got to um, wrap this up, but. Yeah, me as um, well. got uh, some stuff I got to do for work. Um, looking forward to the next uh, podcast and uh, let's keep this going, man. Yeah, definitely. And uh yeah, I'll see you guys next time. If um, if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Um, if you're listening, you know, leave a leave a positive review. And if you're interested in ever like coming on the show with us and just talking about giants or and or fatherhood, um, please reach out. We're gonna I think we're gonna make a Twitter for this podcast or a Facebook page, and uh, we'll work, go from the there. The work begins, my friend. The work begins. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, have a good right. one. Have a good one. Take care. Go big Take blue. Care. Thank you.